Man, it is so great to be outside, and I appreciate everybody who set up like the, the you know, platform and the grass and the inflatable, and all you guys that came early this morning. Can we just appreciate everybody that came and made this happen for us? Fantastic. You guys are so great. I've been checking the forecast this week, and I should have known the forecast was for Jesus and winds of the Holy Spirit uh, this Sunday morning, and it's been that way. I love it. I honestly love worshiping outside. I love worshiping in creation. Usually the sky's blue, but there's trees and there's, you know, it's just something cool about being outside and, and loving God and, and blessing others. And listen, this July and August um, is really kind of special because the whole church gets together in one gathering. You know, usually we're softer Sundays and we have a 9.30 and an 11.15 and people at home and we still have the online, uh, you know, thing for helping people out with that. But it's so cool to see people come together. I love seeing kids in the worship gatherings. I love it, and I love being together as a family. So during July and August, you know, there's a lot of vacations and chaos. So this helps us out a lot. It helps us do some work inside the building. It gives our kids ministry a rest, some of our uh, tech and worship people a rest, and helps us go into the fall really pumped up. So we're going to be a lot of fun with inflatables, baptisms, all these things this summer. Now, last Sunday, I was on vacation. And as often happens in, in my life, I will tell my family, hey, I'm on vacation this coming uh, Sunday. We are, we're supposed to be heading to the Oregon coast. And my wife says, I want to teach my Sunday school class. It's the last chance for a couple months. I love those kids. I want to help out. I'm like, all right. And my daughter says, I want to help out with kids ministry. My son says, I'm playing guitar for worship team. I'm like, well, I'm not going to True Grace because I'm on vacation. <laughs> so you guys can all go, but I'm going to go somewhere else. Now, I was nervous I might have slept in, but some of you might have asked me where I went on vacation. So I decided the night before, I'm going to go to a church in town, and I know what churches and pastors have been through, and they all are down in numbers, they're all down in giving, they all had hard times. Um, honestly, we're really blessed. And I decided, I'm going to go to a church, and I'm going to just go and find the pastor and his team and his spouse and all this, and I'm just going to bless them and affirm everything. And I did. I, I, last week, I got up, I went early, I went to a church, and there was coffee in the lobby. And it's kind of fun when you're a visiting pastor, because people reach out to you to try to lead you to Jesus which I, I think is really cool. And I went and had coffee, and this guy came up, and he greeted me, and he was so warm and so friendly. I began to talk to him. Man, I was so inspired. Before I got into this church's like main auditorium, I was so inspired because he said, I'm going through a divorce. I'm going through a hard time, but I love to press into God at church. And he says, I come and I stay for both services every single week. And I said, bro, wherever you're sitting, I'm sitting by you. And I did. We went inside and we sat together through the whole service. I listened to everything. I took amazing notes. I mean, just voracious notes on my phone. After the service, I found all the staff, as many as I could. And I said, you guys are doing a great thing. God is with you. I'm so impressed. And I quoted back things from the sermon and I blessed them. There was a spirit of encouragement in that gathering because this is one thing I know. We need to be a blessing to other churches. We need to be a blessing to those in leadership and church. Amen? And it was just fun. Like, I made a decision. I'm going to go, and I'm going to be a blessing. Sometimes when we're going to gatherings, we don't go to contribute. We go to see what we can receive and what we can get. And it's so powerful when you decide, I'm going to give, not so I can receive. And uh, I, I enjoyed doing that last week. So then after the gatherings, uh, a church last week, my family came here. I was at another church. And then we jumped in the car, and we headed to the Oregon coast, where it was 30 degrees cooler than it was in Olympia. <laughs> And I said, it is well with my soul, Lord. This is okay, all right? And so we got down there. We enjoyed the beach. In fact, there was a moment on the beach with my family. The sun broke out for a little bit, and the four of us were just hitting the volleyball around together. And you got to understand, my, my first son, uh, my, my only son, 
he's uh, graduated from high school. My daughter is, you know, going to be a junior. And I've decided uh, about 15, 20 years ago that I'm going to learn from my elders who spoke into my life time and time again and say, make memories, they grow up so fast. And so there was a sun was shining, we had music playing, we're on the beach, and we were that odd family that was hitting the volleyball around and just laughing together and the sunshine hitting the ball. And I looked at my wife, and I looked at my daughter, I looked at my son, and I said, this is a moment I will, I will appreciate um, because these moments are fleeting and fast. And it was a cool moment. Now the next day we went uh, shopping at the outlet stores, and um, we went to the store, this outlet store is called the, the North Face, and it's meant for hikers, not for people like me. Uh, we were only, my son and I were only in the store because my wife and my daughter were in the store behind us. So we go into the North Face. And I mean, this is like high quality, like hiker, you know, clothes, you know. So I'm just like, what are we doing in here, you know? And I'm looking at it. And I look down at this, uh, this uh, rack of coats and, and it says 60% off. And I'm like, well, that's pretty amazing, you know, for these really nice clothes. I said, man, I need a, a jacket. I'd like to have a high quality jacket that lasts, you know, a long time. And I pick it up and the price tag says $599. I believe that buying anything regular price is a sin. I thought I might get an amen out there from somebody. And I said, that is a joke. That's crazy. But it's 60% off. So, okay, maybe it's like $240. And it's no tax, right? So, and, and so I said, I'm going to put this thing on. I put it on. And I put on this jacket, church. And it was like a cinnamon roll wrapped in butter. It fit so perfectly. And I went and stood in the mirror and I said, oh, pastor, you look good in that jacket. You need a $600 coat, pastor. And I'm laughing at it. And I, I go to put it back. And my son says, you should buy it. And I said, what? And there was an extra sale on that and, you know, no tax. And I begin to start talking myself into it. So my wife walks in the store. So I just kind of walk up to her like, to see if she can handle the glory of me in that coat, you know. And, uh, and, and my son says, you should buy that. And I was like, oh, I don't know, you know. So I took it out of his college fund. He doesn't know that yet. I'm just kidding. He doesn't have a college fund. So. <laughs> so, you know, discount upon discount. I think, wait a minute. If I, you know, if I wear this for 10 or 20 years, like $10 a year, I'm going to buy this coat. I'm on vacation. I'm going to buy this really nice coat. It's going to last all this time. I go up to the, it is cheaper than I think it is. So we leave the store and my wife's like, your face was beaming. Because some of us, when we get a sale, we get overly excited. And I walked out of the door and I, I looked at the receipt and I said, oh my gosh. I paid not 300 not 200 For that $600, I paid $137 for that jacket. It's going to last me 20 years. I win at life. I mean, this is, this is, and the funniest part is this. I'm going around to other customers in the Alamo. Do you want to hear about my $600 jacket? I got it for $137. Well, you know, I tithe. And so God, you know, blesses me with things like that. I mean, I'm just like enjoying this moment. And my family's shaking their heads and laughing at me. And I hope you can laugh at that as well. So if you love to get an incredible deal on quality clothes, you and I can be friends. All right. If you have your Bible today, John chapter 10 is where we're going to jump in. John 10, 10. The message is titled this, living a full and fulfilling life. Man, that grabs me right there. I want to live a full and a fulfilling life. John 10, 10, many of you know, it says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the, the full, that they, have, they may have life and have it from the full. 
joyful, purposeful, meaningful life. Some of your Bibles say this, and I think this is what Jesus is saying, that they may have life and have life more abundantly. Like an abundant life, a blessed life, a purposeful life, a significant life. More life and better life than they ever dreamed of. Jesus is saying, I came that they might have real life, that they might have eternal life. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. My purpose is to give life in all of its fullness. So if Jesus came to give us this full, abundant life, why do we often settle for so much less? It's hard to grind it out in this world that we live in and live this full, abundant life every day, isn't it? It's hard to get up every day and say, Lord, this is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. But I want to live that full, abundant life. I want to have joy regardless of my circumstances. I want to make the most of today. I want to walk not in my strength, but in God's strength for my life. This full, abundant life. Jesus says, my purpose is to give you life in all of its fullness. An abundant life. So don't settle for less. And I think if you and I could truly grasp it. If we, if we, we wanted to walk in God's abundant, blessed life every single day. It would change and shape our lives to realize I am living today on God's power, not on mine. So how do we live this full life that Jesus came to bring? So in John chapter 10, um, we're going to read the story about Jesus being the good shepherd and we are his sheep. But I want to back up to John chapter 9 to make sure we understand the context. John chapter 9, Jesus heals a man born blind. Born blind. Decades of blindness. It's that famous passage of scripture where Jesus spits on the ground and makes mud and wipes it on this guy's eyelids and says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. I mean, it's a pretty cool like moment. Like it's not COVID pandemic, you know, politically correct to spit on the ground and then wipe your saliva and dirt on someone's eyes. And the guy goes and washes and he sees. Now, remember this, that the, the religious leaders came to Jesus and they said, hey, who sinned, this guy or his parents, that he was born blind? Because they live in this superstitious culture where something, somebody must have done something wrong that this guy is born blind. And Jesus heals him in this powerful way. And the healing causes a commotion. It causes confusion. The religious leaders come to interrogate and to find out what happened and, and what Jesus has done now. And Jesus addresses, listen, Jesus addresses spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness. People who can see with their physical eyes but they can't see what God has done and is doing all around them. Spiritual blindness. Verse 39 of chapter 9 says this, Jesus told them, I have come into the world to give sight to those who are spiritually blind and to show those who think that they see that they are blind. And the Jewish religious leaders of the day rejected the fact that Jesus could be the Messiah. They're waiting for the one to come and conquer and kill the one to rise up and lead them to glory. And Jesus came to conquer sin and death and lay his life down. Jesus came to give sight to the spiritually blind, to show those who think they can see that actually, in fact, they are quite blind. So when we get into John chapter 10, this scripture about the fullness that Jesus, Jesus wants you to live an abundant, a full life, we have to understand what has happened, this miracle of this man, uh, not only now seeing physically, but he can see with spiritual eyes. And what a prayer for our nation. Lord, let us open up our eyes spiritually to the wars and the spiritual powers all around us. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 5 says this. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. 
the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. Church, can we just stop? It's not even one of my points today, but do we know the voice of the living God? Do we recognize the voice of the living God? Jesus says it several times. Hey, the good shepherd speaks and his sheep who know him hear his voice and they recognize it as the voice of God. Let's learn to know the voice of God better and better and better. Let's see when God is speaking through our circumstances. Let's understand when God is ministering and pressing a thought on our minds, when God is speaking something through a sermon, when God is speaking to you at work in the car, let's learn to recognize the voice of the shepherd. After he gathers his own flock, he walks ahead of them. They follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. I hope more and more that we recognize the voice of God. Sheep. Jesus uses this story that he's the shepherd and we're the sheep. Don't you like to be called a sheep? Because here's what a sheep is. A sheep is obstinate, right? Sheep wander. They're dirty. They're stubborn. They get lost. Sheep actually will like run off a cliff because they're stupid. And Jesus says, you're a sheep. And I'm not insulted. I'm like, we are. I've watched the news. I've seen my own life. We, that's a great illustration for us. We are not the most you know, sharp knife in the drawer. Some of you, you're playing cards and you have 51 you know, cards in the deck. I mean, you don't have all your dogs barking sometimes. You got to work on this, all right? I just like to work those in. Sheep, Jesus is the shepherd. Listen, is there a better analogy of God and humans than a shepherd and sheep? Sheep think that they know what they're doing and they end up in a cave surrounded by wolves and they go, oh, how did I get here? The shepherd let me down. That's what sheep do. We get ourselves into struggles and we need the Savior, the shepherd to help us. But listen, some sheep come to realize that the shepherd knows best. How good is that? Some sheep, humans in this world, have figured out, you know what? The shepherd knows better for my life than I know for myself. And when they recognize that, they say, okay, Lord, you come into my life and you lead. You take the reins. The shepherd understands. So here's point number one of today's message. You can't uh, be a know-it-all and be a Christian. You can't be a know-it-all and be a Christian. You must admit time and time again that God is smarter than you, that the shepherd understands how to keep you safe. And the reason he has some boundaries, the reason why he has some fences, the reason why he's giving you some instructions is he knows better than you the wolves that are out there. He knows better than you the way back to home or heaven for us. You can't be a know-it-all and be a Christian. You must recognize that God is smarter than you. You must admit that and invite him to lead you in your life. You might see a wide open meadow with a brook flowing through it and think it's perfect for you to go frolic through it. If the shepherd says it ain't safe, then it ain't safe. And your expert sheep opinion doesn't trump the voice of the shepherd. God, this time you're wrong. I know the last 247,000 times you were right, but this time I'm going in the meadow. It's going to be great. If the shepherd says it ain't safe, it ain't safe because he's smarter than you and I. You have to say to God, I want this. I'm inclined to do this. I had my heart set on him. I had my heart set on her or on that. But you know what's best. And as hard as it is, God, for me to say this, you're the shepherd. I'm the sheep. 
I'll follow you. I'll listen to your voice. I'll follow your word in my life. Because I don't think I'm so smart that I can tell you what to do. And here's what's really powerful. Even though I don't want to do this, I will do this because I've submitted my life to the shepherd. There's something deep and powerful when we submit our lives to the king. The hardest part about being a child of the king is that the king is always right and you want to be right. And the challenge for us is to admit that we are sheep and he's the shepherd and he understands things that we don't understand. And to yield our wants, our desires, and let him be Lord of our lives. That submission, and listen, humans are notoriously terrible at submission. I love the story of Peter and the large catch of fish. I talk about it all the time. Because I, I just think this is so amazing that Peter and these fishermen go out and they, they're, they're expert fishermen and they come back with nothing and it's the middle of the night and they've cleaned the nets, they've stretched the nets, they're putting it away, they're absolutely exhausted and Jesus comes by and goes, hey, um, go back out and fish some more. It's almost like, is he really Lord of your life or not? And Peter and the guys are looking at him and everything in their soul screams out, I don't want to. You don't get it. You're a carpenter's son. Like we are, we are fishermen. We get it. We've been out. We're exhausted. We've already cleaned the nets. We're not going to do all this again. We're not going to go out there. And I love that Peter looks at Jesus and just, you can almost see him just take a big deep breath and go, Jesus, everything inside of us says, no, we don't want to. But because you say so, we will. Man, that is submission, isn't that? That's Peter saying this. We are sheep and you're the shepherd. And I don't get it, and I don't like it, and it's not what I want to do, but I submit myself to you. And then they go out, and they catch so much fish that it's overflowing the boat. Because they listened to the shepherd and didn't do what they thought was best for their own lives. You can't be a know-it-all and be a Christian. You have to realize that God knows better than you. And maybe today, just a little humility in our lives, just to remember, God, you have a better plan than I do for my life, and I submit myself to you. Listen, uh, you have to do what Jesus said. You have to deny yourself of all the wonderful things and plans that your simple little sheep heart longs for. And you have to take up your cross. Translation, you have to be willing to endure pain. That's no fun. And you have to actually follow Jesus even when it takes you through the fire. Take up your cross and follow me. Are you humble? Can you learn? Or are you a know-it-all? Verse uh, 6 says this. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration about a shepherd and sheep uh, didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. He said, I am the gate for the sheep. All others who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come by the way of the gate will be saved and will go in and out and find green pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. Point number two is this. God knows what's best for you, and God wants what's best for you. It's not that he just knows what's best for you, but he wants what's best for you. Have you ever looked into the eyes of another human and thought, this person really loves me and really wants what's best for me? If you have a person like that in your life that you can just tell they, they genuinely love you and they genuinely want what's best for you, you, you have a gift in that individual person and that spouse, that family member, that friend, that mentor. They really want what's best for you. Jesus wants to shepherd you. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to flourish. So he sets up boundaries to keep you out, away from sin and out of hell. And many people around you, they have selfish motives. They aren't like Jesus. Jesus says, I am the true shepherd. I lay my life down for you. 
His motive is your success. His motive is to bless you. He says a hired man will run when he sees a wolf coming and will leave the sheep. For they aren't his and, 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 and they aren't his and he, he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf leaps on them and scatters the flock. Verse 13, the hired man runs because he is hired and he has no real concern for the sheep. But Jesus is not a hired hand. Jesus is not trying to be your shepherd uh, because he's short on cash. The rent in heaven is not, you know, coming due soon. Jesus lays down his life for you out of a deep love that he loves you. He wants what's best for you in your life. And you have to realize and make a decision, is he worth trusting with my life? He's not a hired hand. It's his abiding love that keeps him pursuing you. Listen, when God disciplines you, it's because he loves you. Uh, how many people have been disciplined by the living God? Like, oh, God, that, that was correction. That hurt, but I'm so glad that you came into my life and you made that correction happen. God disciplines us because he loves us. It's hard, but it's worth it. When God says no to a behavior or direction in your life, it's not because he wants to make you miserable. He doesn't want to try to pull rank or have power over you. Listen, if God wanted to have power over you, he could do it in a second. If he wanted to take over your life and control your decisions, he could do that, but he doesn't. He wants you to make those choices. God sincerely loves you. His heart breaks when your heart is broken. When you are mistreated, he longs for you to come to him for help. When you need healing, when you need wholeness, when you need rest, he longs for you to come to him. I need the shepherd. I'm wounded. I'm hurting. I need his help. God knows what's best for you, and he wants what's best for you. When I was uh, 20 years old, I was in a relationship. I was dating a girl. I'd been dating her for two years. I was... Um, I remember I had this feeling in the back of my mind, in the back of my mind, the whole relationship, I was like, I don't think she's the one for me. But I didn't want to admit that. Anybody ever been there? Like in the back of your mind, like, I'm really not sure this is where I'm supposed to be in my life, but I, I just, I don't know if I want to admit it. I, I tell everybody, you know, she was cute and she laughed at my jokes. But she wasn't God's plan for my life. She wasn't God's best. God knows what's best. When I went to Northwest University, I met the person that God had for me. Um, God wanted what is best for me, so he gave me Stacy, and he knows what he's doing. Stacy avoided the spotlight. She didn't want attention. She's hardworking. Uh, she's a behind-the-scenes megastar. She's detail-oriented. She's task-oriented. She doesn't believe in waiting till you feel like it to get it done. She just gets it done, and I needed a woman like that in my life. Then I went out and played ultimate frisbee with all the guys, and Stacy leaped over two of my friends and caught the frisbee. And I said, oh, I want her. <laughs> it was then I knew that I must have her. <laughs> God knows what's best for you. And even more than that, he wants what's best for you. Even when you're a sheep and you think you want something better or you know better. God wants you to honor him with your money because you need to learn to become generous. He's not asking you to tithe because he's behind on the rent in heaven. It's about you. God wants you to have self-control in your life because he doesn't want you to hurt yourself and he doesn't want you to hurt others, which is what happens when we don't have self-control. God wants you to stop sinning because sin separates you from him. And he wants you with him. He's so serious about it that he allowed himself to be crucified for your sin. Jesus is the good shepherd. And he says this in verse 16, he says, I have other sheep too in another fold. I must bring them also and they will heed my voice and there will be one flock with 
the one shepherd. Point number three is this. You're not the only sheep in the pen. Sometimes we think we're the only sheep in the pen, but God loves you, but life is not all about you. It's so important that we love God and we love people. This is the greatest commandment. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love people. And sometimes we hear this kind of mindset, I love God, I just don't like people. Or I love God, I just don't like, I love God, I just don't love the church, or I don't like other people, but I love God. And listen, I think if we really think about that, if you, uh, if you don't love people, then you clearly don't love God. Because people are the mission of God. We can't say, I love this God who loves people so much, I just don't love what he loves. I just don't do what he's asked me to do. If we love God, we are going to love God and love people together. It comes together. But sheep can be so dumb. <laughs> Whatever there comes to the mind, they, they will do it. They'll follow another sheep off the cliff. And so we have to be transformed. Listen, th- there's this mantra in the world that God, that God comes to you and he just validates you however you are. Whatever sin you're in, whatever's natural to you, the guy just comes and he just like validates who you are. And that's not the truth. The truth is God loves you and he comes into your life and he transforms you into who you're supposed to be. I don't serve a God who just comes in and goes, well, you know, you're fine. Just try to struggle through it. I love that God comes into my life and he transforms me because I don't want to stay the same. I think God has better plans for my life. That's what he does. The Father loves me because I lay down my life that I might have it back again. No one, Jesus said, can kill me without my consent. I lay my life down voluntarily. If you're a parent, if you're a teacher, if you're a leader, if you're a grandparent, if you're a shepherd to anybody, you've chosen, I'm going to lay down my life to be a blessing to those under my care. That's who I'm going to be. I'm going to be a shepherd. I'm going to lay down my life. Point number four is simply that the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. It's not a glamorous job. You smell terrible, right? In the Christmas story, everybody goes, oh, the shepherds. These guys, they got this low job, right? They're just out watching sheep all night. It's not glamorous. But the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, and not because he's hired. Our shepherd lays his life down because he loves us deeply. Jesus' main purpose was the salvation of the sheep. Under God's protection and by his gift, they can experience the best life Ever. So today I think it'd be so fitting if we just said, um, Jesus, be my shelter. Jesus, be my shield. And Jesus, be my shepherd. I'm willing to admit that I'm a sheep. And I don't always make the right choices. And I want you to shepherd my life. And I want you to guide me. And I want you to protect me. And I want you to lead me. Because you have a better plan for my life. It seems so simple, but most of our society is not willing to admit I am a sheep and there is one who knows better than me. We've got to make that decision. You are the shepherd. I am the sheep. Lord, lead and guide me. Will you bow your heads with me today as we pray? The full life that Jesus is talking about is one in which you aren't living as a constant slave to your sin. The full life is not driven by selfishness, but by forgiveness, by the grace of God. The full life is remembering that there is life beyond death. 
the abundant life is a life of contentment. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And usually by the time the sheep realizes it's in trouble, it's too late. But our shepherd has come to give life, abundant life, both here and especially in heaven. I'm fond of saying that God's not trying to get people into heaven. He's trying to get heaven into people. Because if you invite Jesus into your life, if heaven enters you, then the natural destination of your soul is home in heaven. Invite Jesus into your life. Make him Lord of your life. Ask him to be your shepherd. And heaven will be the natural outcome. Lord, today we admit sometimes we're obstinate, often we wander, we get ourselves dirty, we think we know the way, and Lord, we want to be those sheep who aren't always wise, but they're wise enough to realize there is one who knows better than me. There is one who created me, there is one who gave his life for me, and I don't want to live life being my own shepherd. So will you come into my life and will you guide me and protect me? And would you be a shield to me? Lord, shelter me. I want you to lead me in my life. If that's your prayer, would you just say that? Lord, would you be my shepherd? Would you guide me until I come home? Lord, thank you for what you're doing today what you're about to do in our lives. God, I pray for a hunger. I pray, Lord, for believers in Jesus that just want more, and they're pressing in, and they're, they're excited about the future, and they actually want to know God in a personal way. Lord, if there's anybody here, and, and God is asking them to be a good citizen and be nicer, and you're not personal, and your voice isn't real, and and we don't know the shepherd in a personal, real way, then God, change all of that today and be personal and real in our lives. Let us hear your voice. And God, correct us and, and let us, God, not turn away from you when you correct us, when you give us boundaries. Help us to be wise enough to know we have a God who loves us and gives us boundaries because he wants us home. Lord, we will not run off mad. But we'll say, because you say so, I will. And as the years and the days go by, we will grow closer, more intimate, personal, real relationship with the living God who loves us. Be our shepherd, I pray, and be personal and real to us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Man, it is so good to uh, gather together. This is going to be a really fun summer. There's an inflatable up here with kids and, and for cool adults as well. And uh, there's going to be some snacks out here as well. You can sign up for the pig roast. Um, today, um, celebrate the fullness of life. Do you know what? That we have an actual, we have a fireworks uh, thing going on in Lacey. I know not everybody's for fireworks, but everybody's for life getting back to normal somewhat, aren't we? Aren't we? So today, live a full life. Live a joyful life, an abundant life, and be a blessing to everybody you come in contact with. All right? God bless you. Have a great week in the Lord.